Hello, and welcome to AOL Church, a place to connect. This is where we gather together common people and equip them to live connected lives. AOL Church exists to connect with God, connect with people, and ultimately connect people with God. Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. Now, let's listen in on this week's sermon. Hallelujah. We are living in the greatest times that mankind has ever known. For the church, we are on the very edge and brink of the greatest revival that has ever been seen by the church. We are standing on the threshold of the greatest revival of souls being baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. And I want to be a part of it. I want our church to be a part of it. Hallelujah. I want to be directly on the front lines in this end time hour. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you will, you're standing, and I thank you for doing that. 2 Samuel 13th chapter, starting with verse 6 through verse 20. 2 Samuel 13, verse 6 through verse 20. They're going to put it up the screen behind me. Praise God. Hallelujah. There's a lot of things that are said, recorded in the Word of God. It is not for our interpretation. It is for us to have understanding and relate and revelation of it. And the only way that we can is when we are filled with the Spirit of God. Because the Bible says the Holy Ghost will lead and guide you into all truth. Amen. Hallelujah. 2 Samuel chapter 13 verse 6 through verse 20 reads like this. So Amnon... His name means faithful. Anybody know that? His name means faithful. The enemy is always after your faith. He is always going to attack your faith. So Amnon lay down and made himself sick. And when the king was come to see him, Amnon said, Unto the king, I pray thee, let Tamar, my sister, come and make me a couple of cakes in my sight that I may eat at her hand. Then David sent home to Tamar, saying, Go now to thy brother Amnon's house and dress him meat. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, and he was lay down and she took flour and kneaded it and made cakes in his sight and did bake the cakes and she took a pan and poured them out before him but he refused to eat and Amnon said have out all men from me and they went out every man from him and Amnon said unto Tamar Bring the meat into the chamber that I may eat of thy hand. And Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them into the chamber 
to Amnon, her brother. See, that would never work in my house anyway. Because I can't stand somewhere that eats in the bed. <clears throat> Verse 11, and when she had brought them, man, we have a lot of people eating in bed. I just felt that. <clears throat> and when she had brought them unto him to eat, he took hold of her and said unto her, come lie with me, my sister. And she answered him, Nay, my brother, do not force me, for no such thing ought to be done in Israel. Do not thou this folly. Don't do this. Don't do this. That's going to rob me of my purity. That right there is a whole message right there. Verse 13, and I, whether shall I cause my shame to go, and as for thee, thou shall be as one of the fools in Israel. Now, therefore, I pray thee, speak unto the king, for he will not withhold me from thee. Howbeit he would not hearken unto her voice, but being stronger than she, forced her and lay with her. Then Amnon hated her exceedingly, so that the hatred wherewith he hated her was greater than the love wherewith he had loved her. And Amnon said unto her, Arise, be gone. She said unto him, There's no cause. This evil in sending me away is greater than the other that thou didst unto me. Sending me away, rejecting me, is greater than the sin that you just did to me. But he would not hearken unto her. Then he called his servants that ministered unto him and said, Put now this woman out from me and bolt the door after her. And she had a garment of diver colors upon her for which such robes were the king's daughters that were virgins apparelled. Then his servant brought her out bolted the door after her, and Tamar put ashes on her head and rent her garment of diver colors that was on her and laid her hand on her head and went crying. And verse 20, And Absalom, her brother, said unto her, Hath Amnon thy brother been with thee? But hold now thy peace, my sister. He is thy brother. Regard not this thing. So Tamar remained desolate in her brother's or in her brother Absalom's house. I want to preach this morning on Victoria, the victorious strength of God. The victorious strength of God. Before we go any further, would you in your own way, if it's lifting your voice, clapping your hands, whatever it may be, would you give attention to the presence of God that's in this house? And would you allow him to understand that you are thankful to be in the house of God? And you are thankful, hallelujah, that you can feel him in this place. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated in Jesus' name.
Again, thank you for being here with us this morning. Amnon was wicked. He brutally attacked his sister Tamar, and that is a very nice way of saying it. He destroyed her destiny. He destroyed her future. He slashed her self-esteem. He spoiled her integrity. He broke her femininity like a twig under his feet. He assassinated her character. She went into his room a virgin with future. When it was over, she was a bleeding, trembling, crying mass of pain. It is frightening to think about the nights that Amnon plotted and, and, and planned and conjured up her destruction. It was, it was like he was her friend on Facebook, checking her out and checking out what she's doing, where she's going, who she's hanging out with. And liking all of her pictures. Oh, that one is awesome. That was pretty. And, and he's following her on Instagram. He's a stalker. And liking every picture that's on Instagram and saying, Oh, that food looks delicious, but not as delicious as you. He draws a picture for us of how badly the enemy wants to violate God's children. He draws us a picture of how the enemy's using every avenue to get to you, to get to your kids, to get to our young men and our young women. He's planning, he's plotting your destruction. He's watching you with warning eyes and he has great passion and perseverance because he wants you. He craves for you with an animalistic passion and he, he waits for the opportunity to attack and he's watching every move that you make and sometimes it looks innocent and sometimes it looks like it's not harmful but he's watching every move that you make. He's watching everything that you say on Facebook. He's looking at every picture you have on Instagram. He's stalking you. He's waiting to pounce on you. He's waiting to attack you. He's waiting to destroy you. This is one of the saddest stories in the Bible. It reveals what happens when one listens to the voice of the enemy. Because the Bible says that Amnon had a friend, not much of a friend, had a friend named Jonadab. And he wants to ruin the relationship between David and his sons, between Tamar and the king, her father, for envious reasons. This person is not doing any good for, uh, uh, for any of them. He's not doing any good for Amnon. He's jealous. He hates the relationship that they have between them and their father, and he wants to destroy it. They are the king's kids. 
and he is not. There is a attack that's on the church just simply because you are a king's kid. As beautiful as you are to Christ, you are frightening to the devil. I want you to get that today. As beautiful you are as you are to your heavenly father, you are as frightening, hallelujah, to the devil. The enemies of God fear you because you are united with him. The enemy fears you because of your relationship with God. You're not hearing me today. If there's anything that you should value in the day that we're living in, it is your relationship with God. Your relationship with God is a direct attack on the enemy. The enemy hates it that you have a relationship with the Lord. The enemy hates it when you pray. The enemy hates it because you love righteousness and holiness. He hates it because you are unified with your God. How can you say that today, Pastor? Because Cain killed Abel because the father showed him favor. And Ishmael would hate Isaac because he was the father's true son. And Joseph's brother hated him because the father showed him favor. And they crucified and hated Jesus because they were envious of him because he was the son of the living God. Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. They knew because they hated him that they had delivered him into the hands. Sin has a downward progression, even while becoming more acceptable. What does that mean? When Adam and Eve sinned, they were so afraid that they hid from God. They were so afraid they tried to cover up their sin. They were so afraid that they had done something wrong that when God's spirit came and walked in the cool of the day, they would hide themselves and not only hide themselves, but now they have found fig leaves and they're sewing it together to make aprons for themselves because now they know that they're naked. And God said, who told you? that you were naked. They were afraid when he came. They were trying to cover up their sin. But one chapter later, Cain is murdering his brother. Mankind progressed from eating the forbidden fruit and being afraid and trying to cover their sin to becoming a murderer. But Cain doesn't hide from God. He just goes about his business as nothing has happened. He just goes about his business like he never committed the murder of his brother. And can I say that today and stop here? We cannot have the spirit of Cain upon us in this hour where we're murdering our brother and our sister and we go about like nothing has happened. Tell somebody that was one chapter. 
three chapters later, three chapters later, and a fewer than ten generations later, men have so corrupted themselves that God decides to destroy every living creature on earth. In just nine generations, only eight people on earth were still faithful to God. Why? The enemy in sin is always after your faith. Only eight people now survive. Only eight people are found to be faithful to God after the beginning of Adam and Eve, after the generation. And now one chapter, we find they're not even hiding anymore. They're not even concerned. They had no fear of God anymore. And three chapters later, we find that only eight people are faithful to God. Why? The enemy will do anything he can to rob you of your faith and your faithfulness. Unto God. And can I tell you, we always quoted that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But can I give you a little a revelation today? The enemy has not changed either. If he did it then, he's doing it now. What he did back then, he's still doing right now. He robbed them of their faith. He'll rob you of your faith. He robbed them of their innocence. He'll rob you of your innocence. It also reveals what people can do to one another if left alone without God. I said what people will do to one another if they're left without God. I don't care who you think you are or how long you've been in church or if you think you can walk on water. Hallelujah. You can't even take a bath because, you, because you'll never go down because you're so holy that you walk on water. you got to take showers at home. But without God, you're nothing. Without God, I'm nothing. I have to have God in my life. I need God in my life. I cannot make it without God in my life. I don't care how spiritual you think you are. Without God, you're nobody. Without God, you have no power. Without God, you have no holiness. Without God... For when Amnon and Tamar were left alone, he assassinated her. Watch out for people that get you isolated and then try to assassinate you. Because you have to understand today, the body survived. But her femininity was destroyed. She felt as though she had, would never be the woman that she would have been had it not happened. I'll never be the same again. Have you ever had anything happen to you that changed you forever? Somehow you were like a palm tree and you just survived. And by the way, Tamar's name means palm tree. Yet... 
You knew that you would never be the same. Like I said, her name means palm tree. Palm tree, by definition, is a leaf of a palm, was a symbol of victory and rejoicing. In, in, the other, in other words, she named this perfect, innocent little girl. Her name was Tamar because the meaning of her life should have been victory and rejoicing. The meaning of her life should have been, hallelujah, you're going to have victory in your life. There's going to be rejoicing in your life. It stands in the summer and stands in the spring. Faces fall with leaves that's already been said today. With leaves, when other trees loses theirs, it still remains the same. In other words, she is a survivor. And I've come to tell you today, you are a survivor. After all that's happened to you, you are a survivor. After everything that's taken place in your life, you are a survivor. Where other things have fallen, where other things had wilted away, you are a survivor. You should give God praise down that right there. You are a survivor. I thought I'd get a little bit more than that. Hallelujah. The enemy thought he'd take you out, but you're a survivor. The enemy thought, hallelujah, he'd destroy you, but you're a survivor. There's things that tried to rob you of your innocence, but you're a survivor. And though and through hard times, God has granted you the tenacity to endure stress and strains. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me. Witnesses of what? Witnesses of my power. Witnesses of my mercy. Witnesses of my miracles. Witnesses of my wonders. Witnesses of my sign. Witnesses of my grace. Witnesses of my mercy. Tamar was a king's daughter. She was a virgin. She was a good girl. She didn't do anything immoral. She was called to help. This is how powerful the ministry of called to help is really. She was called to help. She was called to cook for her brother. Even in innocence. And she didn't have any idea what his plan was. What he had conjured up in his sick mind. Even in innocence, be careful what appetite you feed. Even in innocence, be careful what you entangle yourself with. But in the process, even her, of her being innocent, she was damaged. You could in no way lift yourself up. Oh, you shout. You sing. You dance. But when no one's looking, when the crowd is gone, when the lights are off, you are still that trembling, crying, bleeding mass of pain 
that has been abused, bowed down, bent backwards, and crippled. The Bible says that Tamar was in trouble. And can I tell you, hallelujah, if you ever look at an hour, the hour that we are in is in trouble. The worst part about it is, after Amnon had abused her, he did not want her. He had messed up her life and spoiled what was she was the most proud of. He assassinated her future and damaged her prospects and changed her countenance forever. She said, what did, what you did to me was horrible. And some of you have been through some horrible things. What you've done to me is horrible, but not wanting me is even worse. Tamar said, what you're doing to me now is worse than what you did to me at first. And maybe today you have gone through tragedies. And maybe today you've gone through hardships. And maybe today you've been in damaging relationships. And maybe today you've been left feeling unwanted. You can't shout over sort of, that sort of thing. I don't, I don't think that we're going to have anybody that's going to get up and start running around, hallelujah, and praising God right now. You can't shout over that sort of thing. You can't leap over that kind of wall. It injures something about you that changes how you relate to everyone else for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Quiet, that's okay. Amnon didn't even want Tamar afterward. She pleaded with him, don't throw me away. She pleaded with him, don't toss me out like trash. She was fighting for the last strands of her destiny. And Amnon called a servant and said, throw her out. Because when love turns to lust, you don't want any form of pureness in the room. You don't want any reminder of innocence. That's why when you get into that place and you do things that you shouldn't do and it robs you of everything that get that the progress you've made in God and any time that you sit there in front of the computer and watch any type of pornography, it robs you of any progression that you've made in God and you don't want anything that's pure in the room. You don't want anything that reminds you of innocence. The Bible says he hated her with a greater intensity than that which he loved her before. Can I tell you, the enemy is after your faithfulness. He's after your purity. He's after your righteousness. He's after your holiness. And he wants to hallelujah, attack it. And he wants to, uh, 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 to destroy it so badly. For afterwards, you'll have a greater hate for it than you did had a love before of it. Hallelujah. He's trying to take things and pervert them in your life. God knows that the Amnon in your life, whatever it may be, really does not love you. 
He's out to abuse you. The servant picked up Tamar, opened the door, and threw the victimized woman out. She laid on the ground outside the door with nowhere to go. And he told the servant, lock the door. Satan told her as she laid there, no one would ever want her. He whispered in her ear, see, you are God's best, and he allowed this to happen to you. Take another perspective. It is the same thing as the world that we live in. Hallelujah. Is laying at the exact door. Hallelujah. That Tamar is laying in because it's been rejected. It's been abused. It's been, uh, it's been traumatized. And it's laying at a door with nowhere to go. See? You've done everything you know what to do. And God allowed this to happen to you. What do you do when you are trapped in a place that you're not really here and you're not really there? You're just in the middle. You're just in a, in a, in a, in a place that you, you don't know. You're neither in, you're neither out. You're neither here, you're the, and neither there. And you're... You don't belong, and you feel like you don't belong, and you're not a part of this, and, and, and you're not a part of that, and, and this is where the devil wants you to be. He wants you to be in this state of not being sure. He wants you to be in this state of doubt, because if you're in a state of doubt, it's robbing you of your faith, because faith is certain. Faith says it's going to happen. Faith says this is the way it's going to be. This is where the enemy wants you to be. You're left lying at the door, tore up, disturbed, trembling, intimidated. And the Bible says she cried. Why? She's filled with regrets. She's filled with pain. She's filled with nightmare experiences, seemingly unable to find relief, unable to rise above it. And she stayed on the ground and she cried. If there's anything the enemy is doing in this hour, it's trying to take believers down to the ground in a place that they are regretting, in a place where they are crying, in a place where they feel Hallelujah, the regret and the nightmare. Tell somebody, but she had a coat. Oh my gosh. She had a coat. She had a covering. Oh, Shatai. She had a covering, a cape of many colors. Hallelujah. We've seen it before on Joseph, a coat of many colors. And it's just not a coat of many colors because, hallelujah, the Pentecostal apostolic believer that is alive today has the same covering that Joseph had and the same covering that we're talking about here in this story today. Why? Because there's so many aspects and there's so many things that God has given us hallelujah a coat of many colors and she had this coat it was a sign of her being a virgin and it was a sign of her being pure
And it was a sign of her future. She was going to give it to her husband one day. She ripped it up. She took it off, tore it into pieces, meaning, I have no future. Can I tell you today, the enemy wants you to lose your covering. Because he knows the one time that you get out from under the covering of the Lord, you lose your future. The day that you step out of the covering of God is the day, hallelujah, that you compromise your destiny. The enemy does not want you to be under the covering of your pastor because the day you step out from under the covering is the day that you compromise your destiny. I have no future. It wasn't that he just took my body. He took my future. And I'll stop here and let you understand something very critical that you need to understand in this hour. The thing that we're fighting now, COVID, if you think this is the worst thing, then you better get your mind straight and wrapped around one thing. This is just the beginning. It has nothing to do with your body. It will attack your body. But the thing that's behind it is far greater than attacking your body. It wants to rob you of your future. It wants to strip you of everything that God has tried to put and has put in your life. He said, he took my future. He took my esteem. He took my value away. She takes the coat off. She rips it into pieces. Now this, and she sits at the door, uncovered. She sits at the door, damaged goods. Now this is how the world looked at her. That is how the men in that society now looked at her. This is how her brother that kicked her out of his bed looked at her. She's just damaged goods. But that is not how God looked at her. God looked at her and said, you are still my pure, undefiled child. God looked at her and said, this man's shame is not your shame. Oh, you didn't hear me. Hallelujah. God looked at her in a totally different way. You need to understand today. Quit looking, hallelujah, through the perspective of the enemy. And quit looking through the perspective of your flesh. God does not see you that way. Can I preach right now? The enemy has put us in the same position and we have sat there or we're sitting there right now ripping the garment that God has given us saying he took my pureness. We're sitting there ripping the garment that God has put on us and tearing up our, our covering saying he took my anointing. We're sitting there tearing the garment up saying he took my ministry. We're sitting there tearing the garment up saying he took my 
calling. He took my desire. I have no future. Hallelujah. He took my destiny. But can I tell you, in the name of Jesus, you survived. You survived. You survived. And that right there should be enough to give God praise in this house altogether. You survived. You've been through some crazy stuff, but you survived. You've lost your covering, but you survived. The devil lied to you, but you survived. You survived, but you left the Substantial degree of self-esteem in Amnon's bed. Have you ever lost the roadmap that directs you back to where you were before? Has the enemy attacked you so bad? Has things gone on in your life that you have had to deal with tragedy, that you've had to deal with valley, that you've had to deal with storm, that you have lost your direction of how to get back to where you were before? The Lord says, the devil trying to convince you that nobody wants you. Society is trying to convince you that nobody wants you. Your brother is trying to convince you that nobody wants you. But the Lord says, but I want you. I will give you strength for living. Oh my gosh. I've come to tell you today, no matter how many Amnons, hallelujah, have told you, I don't want you. God says, I still want you. I don't care what has come into your life. I don't care what situation has come and said, you're not worthy and I don't want you. I've come to tell you in the name of Jesus, he still wants you. I've seen, God said, I've seen you bent over. God said, I've seen the after effects of what happened to you. I've seen you in your worst moments. And guess what? I still want you. God has not changed his mind. Would you preach that to somebody, to somebody that's around you? God has not changed his mind. God loves you with an everlasting love. God doesn't come and point out and say, hallelujah, you're a loser and you're not worth this and you've lost that and you lost this and you lost that and you'll never be the same. No, your God says, I still love you and what you lost, I can get back for you. And what you have... Tell somebody normally anytime there's a crash, there is an injury. What is important is the fact that we don't have to die in the crashes or collisions in life. We must learn to live life with the seatbelt in place. Even though they are annoying to wear. Hello? Even though they are annoying to wear. And if you ever roll with me, you'll see pastor has his click. I don't wear it. I don't like it. I don't like to wear seat belts. Don't tell anybody. Probably going out anyway. Hallelujah. It's annoying. 
I click it, and then I get in because it's annoying to wear. But they are needful. We need spiritual and emotional seatbelts as well. The Holy Ghost is the seatbelt that stops you. I'm going to try it again. The Holy Ghost is the seatbelt that stops you from going through the windshield. The Holy Ghost is the seatbelt that stops you. Hallelujah. They're going through the door when you are rejected. Oh, my gosh. It is the inner insurance that holds you in place. It's the insurance that God is in control and that what he has determined, nobody can disallow. It's the Holy Ghost that keeps everything in place. It's the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, when you have that collision or you have that crash, it's going to tell you what, hallelujah, I'm going to keep you safe. I'm going to keep you secure. You're not going to go through the windshield. You're not going to die in this collision. If he said I was going to bless you, then disregard all the other mess. If God said I'm going to anoint you and bless you, then disregard all the other garbage and believe a God who cannot lie. Why? The rubbish can be cleared. The bruises can be healed. The car can be fixed. Just be sure that when the smoke clears, you are still there. And you are still faithful. And you are still standing. Everything else can be taken care of. Don't you dare run out of church when things get bad. Don't you dare turn your back on God when everything seems like it's out of control. All that stuff can be fixed. Why do you say that today, Pastor? Because of this. You are too important to the purpose of God. To be destroyed by a situation that's only meant to give you character and direction. The thing you've gone through has not been there to destroy you. The thing you've gone through is to give you character and direction in the, in the kingdom of God. No matter how painful. No matter how devastated. No matter how disappointed you may feel. You are still here, Pastor, you don't know what I've had to go through. You don't know the thoughts that go through my mind. You don't know the words that people have spoken. You don't know how I've been stabbed in the back. You don't know how many people that hate me, but you're still here. Hallelujah. You should praise God, for he will use the cornerstone developed through rejections. And failed relationships to protect or, or maybe just back up to perfect what he has prepared. Paul said that, oh God, if I could just know you in your victories. God, if I could know you in the mountaintops experiences. Paul said that I may know you. In your suffering. Because 
It is through rejection and failure that you perfect what you have prepared for me. If everybody turns their back on me, I'll still be in the house of God. If everybody doesn't like me, I'll still worship God with all that I have. Hello? If everybody's talking about me, I'm still going to come in here and give God praise. Especially in the day that we're living in. Especially in the hour that we're in. We are so close. If there's anything that you have to understand, I told uh, our leadership this this morning. If there's anything that's important to you right now, it is your relationship with God. You cannot lose out in the day that we're in. There's one thing you've got to make up your mind is, I'm going to heaven. My family's going to heaven. I don't care what happens. I don't care what takes place. I don't care what goes on. I will make it to heaven. What does that mean? You've got to make a declaration. Hallelujah. I'm going to serve God through the good times, and I'm going to serve God through the bad times. I'm going to be here. Hallelujah. Lift your voice above the screaming sirens. Lift your voice above the alarms of those hearts that have panicked. Lift up your voice. Pull yourself up. It could have killed you. It could have took you out, but it didn't. Announce to yourself, I am alive by the grace of God. I'm still here by the mercy of God. I can and will survive. Hallelujah. Your family walked out, but I'm here. Hallelujah. You've lost some brothers and sisters, but I'm here. Mom and dad might have quit, but I'm here. Things have happened that I didn't even believe that could ever happen, but I'm still here. Why? I can survive, and I will survive. Why is that, Pastor? Here's the answer. What Amnon did not know and what the enemy did not know and what your abuser did not know is that your father is the king of kings. And what they don't understand is you are still God's child. You're still his daughter. You're still his son. And nothing can change that relationship. Nothing can change that. Nothing. I don't care what you go through. Nothing can change your relationship with God. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. And you are His child. Nothing can change that. Hello? Nothing can change that. They're trying to change it. You can change your identity. You can change the way you look. You can try to change, hallelujah, the form that you are, a male to a female, a female to a male. You can change all that, but you cannot change your DNA. You cannot change, hallelujah, your mother and father. You cannot change the relationship. And I don't care what happens in your life. The enemy can never change the 
relationship you have with God. I am his son. You are his daughter. When Jesus encountered the infirm woman of Luke chapter 13, he called her out. Hello? He called her out. There may have been many fine women present that day, and I'm sure there was, but the Lord didn't call them forward. He reached around all of them, and he found that crippled woman in the back. He called forth the wounded. He called forth the hurting woman with the past. And he issued the Spirit's call to those who had their value and self-esteem destroyed by the intrusion of vicious circumstances. He said, give me the woman that's still dealing with the pain. Give me the woman that's been hurt and crippled by somebody's actions that were wicked. Give me that person that still deals with the thoughts in their mind. They're not good enough. Give me that person, hallelujah, that's in the back, that's crippled, that self-esteem has been destroyed. Give me that person. For the infirmed woman must have thought, he wants me. I'm afraid. I'm torn. I've been abused. I've been hurt. I'm crippled. And he wants me. I've been through trouble. I've been through this trauma that I don't know anybody else that's been through. But he wants me. Perhaps she thought no one would ever want her again. But Jesus wanted her. Why? He had a plan. Quit being so jealous and envy. People that walk in the door and God gives them a word and they're so hurt and they're so beaten down and they're so crippled, but God has a plan for them. Rejoice of where you're at in your life. Rejoice what God has done for you. Give God praise for where you're at. Hallelujah. And then you will be able to give God praise when the broken and the wounded and the hurt and the destroyed walk through the door. God has a plan. God has a plan. God's always had a plan. The woman at the well which had then five husbands and now with somebody. Hallelujah. God had a plan. But understand this. God's plan doesn't work unless you're repented. God's plan doesn't work unless you're thirsty. That's why he met her at the well. Because this woman had a thirst. She said, she even understood how when God said, when she said, well, you know what? The true worshipers. Hallelujah. Worship. He said, you know what? There's a thirsting. And there's so many, there's so much nonsense. Don't talk, don't say nonsense. Don't put nonsense out, okay? 
just because it is your thought or your perspective on the deal. Okay? He had a plan for this woman. He had a plan, but, a, but more than just a plan for the woman, he had a plan for the city. He had a revival, hallelujah, that she, he said, she's going to be key. Why? She's been through some garbage. She's been through some stuff. And she's sitting at the well that's thirsty, and she's thirsting. But if I can give her a thirst, that she'll never thirst again. Hello? I'm being very kind, but I'm going around. If you don't understand what I'm doing, I'm going around some issues right now. Hallelujah. He has a plan. He has a plan. And can I tell you, the plan has always included. The plan has always included the kingdom of God. And the plan has always included the church of the living God. If you're ever going to be used, you're going to be used in the church. He has a plan. Why? He died for the church. He spilled his blood for the church. He purchased the he purchased the the body of the church with his own. Because he said, water and blood came out. We understand you must be baptized in the in the name of Jesus, filled with his spirit. He purchased his bride, he purchased his church. God's plan never, ever discludes the church. He sees you in your struggling, and he knows all about your pain. He knows what happened to you 18 years ago. He knows what happened to you 10 years ago. He knows what happened to you last week. He knows what did happen yesterday. Uh-huh. With patience, he waits for you as the father waited for the prodigal son. Jesus says to the hurting and crippled, I want you enough to wait for you, to hobble your way back home. I don't want you to come home when you feel like you're perfect. I don't want you to come home when you think you got everything worked out. I don't want you to come home when you get cleaned up and you think that you're presentable. He said, I'm waiting for you because you're worth waiting for because I want to see you come back home. Even if you're hobbling, even if you're crawling, the thing of it is, you're making your way back home. When the infirm woman came to Jesus, he proclaimed her freedom. Now she stands erected for the first time in 18 years. Notice when she comes to him, she's crippled and bent over. When she comes to him, she's hurt. When she comes to him, she's got all kind of pain. But after she meets him, she's standing straight. First time for 18 years. When you come to Jesus, he will cause you to stand in his strength, not yours. You could not do it on your own. You could not do it by your ability. You could not do it by your skill set. You could not do it by your charisma. But when you came to him, you'll stand in his strength. You'll stand in his anointing. It's not your strength. It's not your anointing. It's not your ministry. It's not your gifting. It's his. 
and you will know how important you are to him. Part of your recovery is to learn how to stand up and live in the now. And to live in the now of life instead of the then of yesterday. All you need is allow his strength and anointing to touch the hurting places. He'll take care of the secrets. Hello? You didn't get that. I said all you have to do is allow his strength and anointing to touch the hurting places. He'll take care of the secrets. You ain't got to tell anybody your secrets. Absalom said, don't tell nobody. Don't even mention a word. Just stay here. I'll take care of it. Nobody needs to know your secrets. He touches the places where you've been assassinated. He knows the person you would have been. He knows the person you should have been. He knows the person you could have been. And God heals and restores you and calls you out to him. If you'll come to me, I can restore all that stuff. If you come to me, I can give you back all that stuff that you think the enemy has robbed you and assassinated your character over. The enemy wanted to change your destiny through the series of events, but God will restore you to wholeness as if the events had never happened. Can I tell you and minister to that right now? The enemy wants to continue to attack you year after year, day after day, month after month, to try to continue to come after you. And all you can think of, see, it's, it's, it's just continuing. See, this is never going to work. See, this is never going to happen because he wants to keep you in that, that series of events that you, will under, that you will just get that mindset. It's never going to change. It's never going to change. My destiny is never going to be there. I've lost everything. But God can restore wholeness to you. And all the events that's ever happened to you, it will like it never even happened in your life. Hello? Can anybody even remotely remember what life was like before you got in church? Can anybody really remember, hallelujah, the pain and, and all the stuff that you had to deal with and all the garbage you had to go through? I mean, you can remember it, but it's not like it affected you before you got in church. It's not like, hallelujah, when you came and took the blood upon, the Jesus' blood upon you. Now it's a distant memory. I'm not that person anymore. I don't feel like that. I don't think like that. It doesn't even affect me anymore. Hallelujah. It's like it almost never happened because God can bring you to a wholeness. <laughs> He's delivering you by the power of the Spirit. It's victorious strength. It's the victorious strength of God. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. The anointing power of the living God is reaching out to you. He calls you forth to set you free. You reach out to him and allow the Holy Spirit to have his way. His anointing is present to deliver you. 
God's always reaching out to you. God's always calling you to come. God's always beckoning you if you'll come closer. God's always, and the, the, the reason we reject it is because we don't feel like we're in the right place. We feel like, you know what, I failed God, so I, I can't come right now. i got to get everything straight. That's not how you felt when you came into church. Something has attacked your faith. Something has tried to make you doubt. Something's trying to make you think that you've got to be good enough. But he's always calling and always reaching. If you'll come to, if you'll come to me, I'll fix all that stuff. I'll make you whole. If you'll come to me, I'll set you free. His anointing is present to deliver you. Well, pastor, I've been in church for so many years, and I do this, and I hold this position, and I'm this. And I don't need deliverance. Everybody in this house, including your pastor, needs deliverance. You mean you're possessed? I didn't say possessed. I didn't say possession. I said deliverance. Be set free. There's things that get on you during the week. you got to be set free. There's things that get on you that try to wear you down and wear you out and wear you down and, and try to, and heavy things get on. you got to be set free. He's here to say, I will set you free. I'll give you deliverance from that stuff if you'll just come. But you can't get over how spiritual you are. You can't get over how, how professional Pentecostal you are. You can't get over what will somebody think. Who cares? I'm not here to impress you. I'm not here. Hallelujah. I'm here to live a victor, victorious life in Jesus. And when I don't, it's my fault because he's calling and reaching and beckoning. I'll say it again. His anointing is present to deliver you. Demons will tremble. Satan wants to keep you at the door. Satan wants you to keep you at the door, but never let you enter. He always wants to make you feel, I'm so close. T -t -t Tomorrow's my day. I'm so close. This is my year. I'm so close. He wants to keep us at the door. This year is ALL's year. And if it's not, then we'll just go in the next year. This year is our year. Can I tell you the truth about the whole matter is? We're at the door. We're at the door. And it's Satan's tactic to keep us there and never enter in. He wants to keep you down. He wants to keep you, hallelujah. But now he wants to keep you to the place where you're always second guessing. You're always doubting. Maybe I'll go in. Maybe not. Maybe this is our year. Maybe not. Maybe this is my time. Maybe not. Maybe this is our dimension. Maybe not. Maybe I'm stepping into the next level. Maybe not. He always wants to keep you at the door but never let you in. Hallelujah. But I've come to tell you today, his power is broken in your life. His power is diminished in your life. I've come to break that thought. I've come to break that mindset in the name of Jesus. It's not maybe we are going through the door. It's not maybe we are going in the next level. God has ordained it. He had a plan. 
I can't help but wonder how much more we all would see of God if we would remove life's little buildups that clog the arteries of our hearts and keep us from seeing the glory of God. I wonder today what would happen if we would just clean our hearts out before God. The glory that we would see. These, these are the obstacles that keep us from seeking the wisdom or seeking the wisdom of men rather than the wisdom of God. Well, if I could just make a little bit more, if I could just do this, if I could just rearrange this, if I could just do this, and we're seeking the wisdom of men and we're not seeking the wisdom of God. These are the obstacles that make us feel insecure while we wait for our answer. Well, Brother Grimsley, come in with my answers. Come in with my word. Let me tell you something. Brother Grimsley will come and give you a detailed description of the word of God for you in your life. But you've already heard the word. Amen. <clears throat> You've already got the answer. These are obstacles that keep many well-meaning Christians needing prayer rather than giving prayer. He wants to keep us at the door and never enter in. So we're always focused on, oh, God, help me. God, bless me. God, help me get through this. God, help me go through this door. Help, help me get to the next level. Oh, God, help me do this. And we're always needing prayer than giving prayer. In short, the Lord says, clean out our hearts and we will hear and we will worship and we will experience God in such a new dimension. Clean out every thought that hinders the peace and the power of God. Tamar knew the feeling of desertion. Oh, I've been deserted. She understood that she was cast out. And everybody in here has a testimony of when you have been casted out. However, the Bible explains that Absalom came and said, I'm going to take you in. You too may have been lying at the door. And there's a lot of us that are. You may think that you're not. But there's 99% of us right now are lying at the door. There's a world that's lying at the door. And perhaps you didn't have anywhere to go. You may have been half in, half out. There are some people right now half in, half out. And that's where the enemy wants you. You know when you're half in, half out, that means you're lukewarm. Your heart's divided. You were broken, demented, and disturbed. But God sent Absalom to restore you. Do you know what Absalom's name means? His name means father of peace. The Lord always sends the peace of God. God always sends the peace of the Lord. Absalom depicts the purpose of, the re of real ministry. Want to know what real ministry is? Thank God for the church. 
It is a place where you can come broken and disgusted and be healed, delivered, and set free in Jesus' name. If you don't believe that about the church, then you've got the wrong idea about the church. If you've got a, 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 an ugly picture of AOL, then you become too religious. Because the church is the greatest thing that God has ever given us. The church, hallelujah, is where you can come and be healed. The church is where you can come and be set free in Jesus' name. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And he sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to, break, to pro proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, set let liberty those who are oppressed. You may have thought that you would never rejoice again. And can I tell you, there's a lot of things the enemy, the enemy has done to you that shut down your praise. You can say yes, you can say oh my, you can say not me, you can say all that stuff that you want to, but I'm going to keep coming at you and telling you, there's a lot of stuff the enemy's done to you that shut, has shut down your praise. Oh, pastor, I praise. Yeah, but you can praise so much more. Oh, pastor, I worship every... Yeah, but you haven't really reached the potential of being a true worshiper of God. <laughs> God declares that you can have freedom in Him. And not just freedom in Him, but freedom in Him now. Now. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait. Well, Pastor, you don't understand. I got to make the no. You don't have to make it right. Pastor, I got to do no. You don't have to do that. He said you can have freedom. You can have freedom in Him now. Mm hmm. That's what I thought. That the joy that He brings can be restored to your soul. There's too many people living for God without the joy of the Lord. I'm going to say it again. There's too many people living for God without the joy of the Lord. Why in the world would you want to live, hallelujah, for God without the joy of the Lord in your life? If you live for God because this is what I got to do because if I want to make heaven, I got to do this. And if I'm going to do this, I got to go to church. And if I'm going to make heaven, I got to read his word. If I got to go to heaven, I got to pray every now and then. My gosh, who would want to live like that? I want the joy of the Lord. I want to be happy. I'm so thankful that God has done for me in my life. I'm so thankful what God has done for me and what he pulled me out of and what he rescued me from and how he's set my feet upon the rock, how he got me out of the miry clay, how he delivered my soul, how that was going to a devil's hell. I'm so happy to be living for God. Hallelujah. How can you be down? How can you be down and depressed living for God? Oh, man, I got to go to church again. Oh, I got to listen to Pastor Wum. Oh, my gosh. I got I to gotta pay my tithes. I got to give offering. Wow, man. I, 
I need a break. I need to stay home today. I just, you know what? I'm just too wore out. Praise God. Hallelujah. Live that way if you like. But I've got to have the joy of the Lord in my life. When they start playing, I feel the joy of the Lord. When they start singing, I feel the joy of the Lord. When they start praying before, I feel the joy of the Lord. When I enter into this gate, hallelujah, I feel the joy of the Lord. Why? Here it is. He identifies with your pain. He identifies with your suffering. He knows what it is like to suffer abuse at the hands of others that hate you. He knows what that's like. It's the enemies afflicting his will on you without permission. Leaving you, ripping your garment at the door, destroying your destiny. He said, I know what's that. I know what that is like. If the Lord can identify with you in your suffering and in your pain and what you're going through. And you can't come into the house of the Lord. And identify with his glory, his power, his anointing, his mercy, his grace. The Lord said, tell my people, I've sent something to pick them up today. I've sent something to restore their destiny and give them a place of refuge. I've sent today the peace of God into this house. He proclaims joy and strength. He will give you the garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. He said, tell my people, celebrate your victory and thank God that you made it. Hello? He said, like Tamar, you're a survivor. You should celebrate your survival. If he never blesses you again, you need to celebrate your survival. If he never does anything else for you, you should celebrate your survival. I made it. Hallelujah. I made it. Hello? I made it. Others didn't make it through COVID. You made it. Well, that's not something that's really great, Pastor. Hallelujah. You should celebrate your survival. You're still here. You made it. I charge you to step over your adversary and walk into the newness that God is wanting to give you. It is like stepping into a storm into the sunshine. And he's saying, I'm telling my people to step into it now. Quit waiting. Quit hesitating. Quit putting it off. Step into it while I'm offering it to you now. The Holy Spirit is calling for the broken. The Holy Spirit is calling for the infirm people to come to Jesus. He's calling for anybody that is dealing with the issue. He's calling for anybody that has things in their heart. He's dealing he's calling for everyone and anyone that that feels like you're outside the door but getting ready to step in because he said, "I will restore and I am the deliverer." 
So how do you come to Jesus? Here it is. We come to his body. We come to the church. It is the church that we can hear the word of God. The church gives us strength and nourishment. The church is the place where we share our burdens and allow others to help us with them. I knew I wouldn't get nothing on that. Praise God. The spirit calls. The burden needed only to heed the call. So, what does that mean? Here it is. When Lazarus died, Martha, his sister, said, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. This is historical faith. Its view is digressive. It says, if you would have been here. That means it's historical faith. Then Jesus said, Lazarus will live again. And his sister replied, I know he will live in the resurrection. This is futuristic faith. It's progressive. Then Martha says, but even now, you have the power to raise him up again. I don't know how you are today, but I feel like Martha. Even now. After all I and after all you have been through, God has the power to raise us up again. Now. This is the present tense of faith. Walk into your newness even now. Walk into what God is offering now. Walk into what God, hallelujah, is extending out his hand to now. You have been anointed with victorious strength. It is the victorious strength of God. The devil wants you to just to keep lying there. Crying about what happened. Crying about yesterday. Crying how unfair it is. Crying about what you've lost and how, and how much it hurts. and He wants you to cr be there because he wants you to be close enough to the door that you stay there. He wants you to be able to see it. He wants you to be close enough so that you will get to the place to where I'll lay here because I'm too determined if to leave, I'm never going to get back to this place. But I don't have enough faith to walk through the door. So he's got you lying in a state of lukewarmness. I trust enough of God to lay here and to cry and for him to hear my plea, but I don't have enough trust that he can bring me through the doorway. But God is saying, I brought you to this place. It's developed you. It's developed your character. It's given you strength. It's given you everything you needed. And now I've sent the peace of God so you don't have to worry about anything. I'll take care of everything else.
Hallelujah. Absalom, I've sent Absalom to, hallelujah, to take you to a place and said, don't even mention what's happened. I'm going to take care of everything. I'm telling you, God has sent something in this service to where he said, you don't have to mention a word about it. You don't have to speak it to anybody else. He said, I'm taking you to a place and all you got to do is find your rest there. All you got to do, hallelujah, is trust in me. I'm taking care of everything. I'm going to take care of everything. You don't have to lift a finger. You don't have to do anything else. He said, I'm taking you to the place, hallelujah, that you should have been a long time ago. There's something in this service that's picking you up. There's something in this service that is delivering you. And God said, I'm going to take care of everything else. I'm going to take out Adma. I'm going to take out all this stuff. You don't have to worry about it. I got a plan. I got a plan. All you got to do is understand, hallelujah, you're not going to lay at the door anymore. You're not going to be at the state anymore. No one's going to see you there, hallelujah, uncovered. No one's going to see you there, hallelujah, in the state that the enemies left you. No one's going to see you anymore, hallelujah. And like the devil wants you to say, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care. I'm going to clean you up. I'm going to give you a place of rest. And then I'm taking care of everything. So here's my message today. The Lord said, preach the victorious strength of God. Why? Because God said, hallelujah, from this day, this point, this day forth, he said, I'm lifting people up out of that place and taking them to the planned destiny that I have prepared for them a long time ago. It is not the will of God for my people to lay at the door. It is not the will of God for my people, hallelujah, to be in that type of state. It is not the will of God, hallelujah, hallelujah. Stand to your feet. When you stand to your feet, tell somebody, would you notice one thing? I'm at the door. I'm at the door. The last time we saw anything of this nature, it was when God was going to destroy the earth. He brought everything in the ark, which is symbolic of the church. And God shut the door. He said, when God shut the door, no man could open it. But understand, you're sitting at the door that God didn't latch. The enemy did. The enemy bolted it. The enemy shut it and said, don't allow it to come back in here. Don't allow it to even come through the door. But God said, what he has planned for you, no man can stop. What he has planned for you. Hallelujah. It's getting ready to be busted wide open. The enemy tried to lock it. He doesn't have the authority or the power to keep out what God wants to come in. Hello? Understand this. It was in the bedroom of Amnon. What does that mean? That's a place of rest. That's a place of peace. God saying, I'm getting ready to kick the door in. And deliver you into a place of rest and a place of peace. 
what the enemy tried to defile, what the enemy disturbed and assassinated. I'm bringing it back. I'm making you whole. And you're not going to lie there any longer. I don't know what you need from God today. I don't know what it is that you have got to get straight with him. I don't know what it is that will allow you to be picked up from where you are at laying at the door. But I will tell you this. The presence of the Lord is in this house. He has sent something into this service to pick you up. To help you. The peace of God is in this place. And God is getting ready to do something miraculous. Today is the day that you end lying at that door. Today is the day that you end, hallelujah, being at that place, in that position. God's given somebody the strength to get up. God's given somebody the strength to walk through that door. God's given somebody the strength to pass through that door. Hallelujah, threshold. Because God has a plan. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for this church. So without any more said, if you're in this house and you believe it and you're ready to walk through that threshold, that door, I'm calling you right now. Those that want to, those that are here, those that understand that God's reaching out, calling. He wants to make you pure. He wants to make you whole. Give you back that innocence. Give you back that wholeness. Give you back that strength. Give you back that power. Give you back what the enemy has tried to rob, steal, destroy. Everything the enemy has come against you. He wants to give it back to you right now. When you come to that place, would you just begin to call on him? Because he's already here. He's reaching out to you already. Hallelujah. He said, I've come to give my people victorious strength today. Victorious strength today. Hallelujah. They've made it. They've been through.